From the nation's capital to the Sunshine State. It's compelling. The high plains of Kansas and the northeast corner of the land of enchantment. It's Friday. The land of EWTN all across the Lone Star State. It's GRN Alive. Bringing you faith, fun, and facts. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us on the show. Call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. And good morning to you. Welcome, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Guadalupe Radio Network on this Friday. Boy, our conversation has already started here in the studio. A lot going on, and some big news, if you haven't heard, that Cecil will let you know about uh, in just a moment. Uh, we need some prayers. Uh, but anyways, uh, good to have you with us. This is GRN Live. We do this twice a week. Joe and the team uh, do it on Mondays from Houston, and uh, we do it here in North Texas, uh, broadcast across the network. Uh, for this hour, every Friday morning, we're glad to have you with us. It's Friday, October 2nd, Feast of the Guardian Angels, and we'll be talking about Guardian Angels a bit. Uh, Dr. Chris Malloy, how are you? Good morning. I'm doing well, thanks. Yeah, good, good to, to be you. here. Yeah. Great weather. Beautiful day. Yeah. I love this. This is my favorite season of the year. Absolutely. And it's a good day because you have the day off, don't you? Technically, exactly. no bow tie. Hence, yes. no bow tie. <laughs> oh, there is no Days bow tie. off, no bow tie. casual. Okay. I don't think your mic's on, Alex. Oops. Oops. Okay. There we go. All right. There we go. Nope. Still not on. <laughs> Alex yeah. will not be talking on the I'm, show today. I will just apparently. be minding what the guests yeah, what I say. We there got we go. It. Awesome. Uh, Cecil Anderson's here. Uh, Alex Trevino uh, with uh, Mission180.org with some new episodes that came That's out. Right. right, you got like seventy new ones. People like, can just binge watch them we, this weekend, right? Yeah, I spent about thirteen hours yesterday with two crazy toddlers and a four-year-old running around uploading seventy episodes. Sweet. <laughs> it was very fun. Where, where did the toddler and the two-year-old come in? Uh, they, they were helping you, or, oh, or what? No, yeah, they're they're the best helpers ever. No, they actually behaved great yesterday. It was awesome. HTML. They, they let me get a lot done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, Diane, 70 episodes. So. Diane Xavier just uh, sits here and does social media splendidly and uh, laughs at us. Uh, but uh, <laughs> she's got the cameras on all of us. So check us out on Facebook and Twitter, right, Diane? Okay. The, the handle is at GRN online. And uh, real quickly before we get to the news, because there is some pretty big news to tell you about this morning in case you haven't heard it. Uh, thanks to everybody out in West Texas. They had a, a prayer breakfast earlier this week. I understand it was really successful. And so congratulations to, uh, the crew out there and all the thanks to all the folks that came out and supported that. And October 8th, which is, uh, let's see, six days from now. So that would be, um, next Thursday, I believe in Birmingham, there's going to be a Fishers of Men dinner and, uh, Jim and Joy Pinto are going to be honored with uh, an award, and their speaker is Damon Owens, Executive Director of the Theology of the Body Institute. So please go to our website if you're in Alabama or, you know, I used to live in Mississippi. If you're in Mississippi, you can cross the state lines and go to the event or Florida, uh, get out there for that event. I do believe there are still some tickets available at grnonline.com, and get out there and support your local station. So, all right, so that's that's the news from... Uh, GRN and Cecil, uh, I, 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 well, everybody woke up this morning to mm. some, pretty, some sort of pretty big news. Yes, definitely. So it, we've just was reported very late last night that President Donald Trump and First Lady Melania Trump have both tested positive for COVID. They both got their, um, were tested after one of the senior counselors, uh, Hope Hicks, to President Donald Trump had tested positive. And so they got their test done and found out that they were also positive. And the president tweeted that that tonight 
The First Lady and I have tested positive for COVID-19. We'll be in our quarantine recover- and recovery process immediately. We will get through this together. There have been reports that they are doing well so far. This is pretty early on, I think. Asymptomatic, I Asymptomatic. I, think, yeah. I, I don't, they haven't had any symptoms as of yet. So I don't know if it's just they're going to develop them or not. But they obviously need a lot of prayers. And, of course, this is huge news. Um, Trump is just now one of the many leaders that have gotten it, but he's a pretty big one who's gotten it. So a lot of people have been tweeting out or sending messages of support, mostly pause. There are a lot of positive and some negative as well. Um, Boris Johnson also was another um, the was another leader who had it early awning in the pandemic. Um, he tweeted out his support um, saying he knows what it's like and he's mm-hmm. praying for them. And um, there's, Again, kind of good and bad reactions. A lot of people are taking the high road, even if they don't agree with President Trump, uh, including um, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, who is a Hawaiian congresswoman who um, who's a Democrat. But she tweeted out that my husband, Abram, and I are offering our best wishes and aloha to President Donald Trump and First Lady and praying for their speedy recover, recovery and also send their best wishes to their kids. Um, and of course, you have a few people who are taking this time to criticize because Donald President Trump has been a little bit critical about the maybe overreaction sometimes with the COVID crisis. And so taking this time saying, think about like, for instance, Malcolm Nance, who is a commentator, said, think about it. If both Trump and Pence go down, uh, Pre- Pelosi could be president. Yeah. And which is not exactly a, thing a classy to thing yeah. to say at this time. Especially since Pence doesn't even have it. I mean, right. Yeah. So far, they're, they're negative. Um, yeah. Mike Pence and his wife are have tested negative so far. But this is a pretty big deal. Yeah. Well, I think it's times like this when something bad happens to one of your political Mm. enemies, uh, you know, it shows uh, your character and how you respond. It's like when Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. I don't know of anybody on that even disagreed with her that rejoiced and, uh, you know, didn't send condolences and prayers and and things like that. I remember when... uh, the uh, the other late term abortionist was murdered in his church. Mm-hmm. Who was that? Tiller was that his name? So. Uh, and and the entire pro life community just condemned it. And uh, you know, and so it's got to be some consistency. And so our, our prayers obviously go out to the the president and the first lady, and uh, we we pray for a speedy recovery. Always well, will for the good for the people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah no matter what, because they're still made in God's image. Yeah, so, gosh, I hope he gets better very quickly, but he is in quarantine, and I wonder if that's going to impact the next yes, debate, because so it's another, in less than two weeks. Yes, yeah, so if if he, he started quarantine as of yesterday, the next debate is October 15th. That would be just just over two weeks. Yeah. Right on time. <laughs> right on time. So he should be uh, back and okay, and we we're going to... So. Uh, yeah, uh, Mike Pence tweeted, Karen and I send our love and prayers for our dear friends, President uh, Donald Trump and Flotus uh, Melania Pence tweeted, we join millions across America praying for their full and swift recovery. God bless you, President Ta- Trump and our wonderful First Lady Melania. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and, oh, sorry, go oh, ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, and of course, obviously, when a world leader like this um, contracts this virus, things like the global markets dropped um, by I think one and a half percent uh, this as of this morning. So uh, lots of concerns yeah, and things to be yeah. praying about. Yeah. All right. And we pray for his guardian angel to intercede yes. for him as yes. well. Mm-hmm. Uh, just real quickly, because I know we're going to talk about angels. I think it's something that we don't spend enough time mm-hmm. uh, talking about. Uh, I think that maybe there was a time in church history where there was more emphasis on angels and their intercessory role in our lives. But there was uh, a debate on uh, Tuesday night. <laughs> That was really interesting. I don't know. I, I watched it. I don't know if y'all watched it. Yes. Any any thoughts or reflections on how it went, especially maybe some of the topics that touch on our, our life as Catholics? 
Well, I do think that there was way too much interruption, and mm-hmm. the president seemed to be the bulk of that, honestly. That's my, my opinion. I know many people thought Wallace was unfair, but uh, I thought Trump really, uh, he, he led this interruption, and he sustained it. Um, but that said, I thought uh, he obviously had better content than Biden. Biden didn't really have much content, although he did much better than I thought he would. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm, Pretty I much agree. my reaction, yeah. too. And I think the big thing uh, with Biden is he, he seems, you know, personally pretty moderate. He doesn't seem as far left as, you know, the yeah. left would want him to be. And I think that's what got exposed more than anything else that night was, sure, Biden probably won that debate, but he got exposed as a moderate. And I don't think that's good enough for the left. Mm-hmm. So. You know, it came out. You Trump, think he'll lose votes for that? I think so. Okay. I think he'll gain some, too, actually. I think it might be an even. And I'm curious to see how it plays out over the next yeah. couple of weeks. Yeah. Interesting that Trump was asked about uh, white supremacy and denouncing. It came out. Uh, Mike Wallace asked him. I'm, I'm sorry. Chris Wallace asked him that same question four years ago. Right. And it right. came up again. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think the words Black Lives Matter came up at all in the debate. Uh, Trump brought up Antifa, but how can you talk about white supremacy and not even mention Black Lives Matter and not ask Biden, you know, are you going to denounce Antifa? Chris Wallace never asked him that. Black Lives Matter never came up in the conversation the whole hour and a half. Biden's response to that was that it's a myth. It's not a real organization. I mean, that was pretty... (laughs) It's an idea. It's an idea. It is an idea. I'm sure that group was slightly insulted, honestly. That's the thing is uh, that that white supremacy was doing stuff in the 50s and 60s, perhaps elsewhere, but in the numbers, are any cities burning down right now because of this? Yeah. Mm, you know? So true. I Not mean, because uh, of that, uh, no. Uh, uh, it, this is the first time I actually sat down to watch um, one of the debates, and like, I was kind of reminded why I You picked a great one. Yeah, I know. I'm like, <laughs> I, it was great because I could only watch about 40 minutes of it before I had to go spray with some sophomore high, uh, sophomore girls, which is a much better thing to spend my yeah, evening doing, yeah. honestly. I think we all should have turned it off. <laughs> right? Yeah, it, it was, yeah, it was for the best. But I'm interested because it was so hard with all the, the back and forth with each other that I wonder if people who haven't decided yet, was that actually helpful to them? Because I couldn't understand what they were talking about half yeah. the time just because of how much interrupting and how much it was just, I don't know. I've watched my brother's high school debates. They do 90-minute debates, and I, let's just say I think they could take lessons from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. High school yeah. Real debates. Yeah. Real debates. Yep. Yeah. The other thing is there's a lot of emphasis about uh, abortion only in regard to whether Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see a, de- I'd like to be, see a question about abortion itself. Mm. Is abortion something that a civilized society allows? Yeah. Forget Roe right. v. Wade, because even if Roe v. Wade is overturned, it just goes back to the states, right? That doesn't eliminate uh, legalized abortion. It might in some states, but let's, I mean, it's always in regard to Roe v. Wade. Forget the, Roe v. Wade. The, uh, do, yeah. do, we, do we want to uh, be a country that allows babies to be ripped out of their mother's wombs? Right, mm-hmm. absolutely. This, I went to an Abby Johnson event last night, so I got a lot uh, of talking hot off the press. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm fired up. And loaded. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I just, I think there's so much that just is not spoken about that we really need to be talking about in these debates, and, it, and they go unspoken. Mm. And what's, I mean, so that, that speaks to what is, like, the roots of law. And are we simply a positivist, the law is what's written, or is there something deeper that all can appeal to? And that, for instance, if I were Amy uh, Coney Barrett, I would say, you know, yes, I will uphold the law. Yeah. Law means more than what's written. Absolutely. Now, of course, that goes both ways. There's this, you know, the originalists and, and the um, revisionists, if you will. But uh, I think from a Catholic perspective, law is deeper. There's something before the Constitution, that we owe, owe um, 
allegiance to. Mm-hmm. Maureen Ferguson from the Catholic Association is going to be joining us here in about 10 minutes to talk about Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, she put out a, a very positive statement. Uh, Cardinal Dolan put out a very positive statement about Amy yeah. Coney Barrett. I don't, I don't know what's not to like about her. Right. Uh, maybe talk about this, uh, the People of Praise group that she's uh, uh, allegedly involved in in Indiana. And I, I looked at their mission statement and I'm like, Wow, what's wrong with that? That sounds like a really neat group. Uh, but I mean, it's a long mission statement. I didn't read the whole thing. But um, anyways, if you'd like to join us, uh, dear listener, and you have some takes on the president's diagnosis uh, of COVID or uh, what's going on with the debates or what happened and or, or Amy Coney Barrett, we invite you to join us. Also, as if that wasn't enough, later in the hour, we're going to be talking about life chain. Mm-hmm. Sharon Albertson's going to join us. I don't know if you've ever done a life chain. Those things oh, yeah. are awesome. Yes. Public witness to, to pro-life and also Box of Joy is coming up. You can help uh, a youngster get one gift for Christmas. Uh, Jim Kavnar from uh, Cross Catholic Outreach is going to join us as well. And uh, today's the Feast of the Guardian Angels. Awesome feast. Tell us about angels, Dr. Malloy. These angels, uh, just awesome. And, 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 you know, uh, we don't really pay attention to them. My daughter every night prays to her guardian angel, and it started rubbing off on me. I I was thinking, you know what? My guy's out of business. You know, I never (laughs) pray to him. So, yeah, so it's not a dogma of the faith that we each have a guardian angel, but it is a tradition that goes all the way back at least to Jerome. It's rooted in Jesus' words, they're angels in heaven, Mm. right? Talking about the little ones. Yeah. So, the church has a a real consistent tradition and theological tradition uh, saying we have guardian angels because we're weak and we've got a rough road to hoe. Uh, So, even if we hadn't committed original sin, Thomas Aquinas' opinion is, although our souls wouldn't need the guidance of angels, because our souls were perfectly ordered, uh, our bodies would because this world is precarious. Mm. And so now that we've, you know, we're we're in a fallen and redeemed state, we need help in the little things in life. This world is, we don't want to get new agey, but this world is packed with angelic intercession. It's awesome. Mm. And it, it's kind of like um, more is better, if you will, rather than the less is, less is more approach in, in uh, traditional Catholic theology that... Yes, there are scientific laws that govern the universe, but there are angels that attend that governance, right? There are angels that watch over it. And there's, you know, there's demons too. Do you know the Antichrist has a guardian angel? Is that right? What? The Antichrist. He's a human being. Yeah, so he'd have to. Everybody would be a scientist. Yeah, and, right? and the thing is, there's many Antichrists, right? We know from, the, the you know, St. John's Epistle. It's not, there is one right. big one to so come. For those uneducated that don't know that answer, like, can you tell them <laughs> a little so more about... Not, yeah. not anybody in this room. I, mean, I know, know the answer, all, but you're the one talking, so, you know. Exactly. Can you, could you please elaborate on that for our listeners? So, so, in other words, the Antichrist in the Bible is a vague figure. There are some details, yeah. but it, it, it kind of, it, history shows us more and more. This is John Henry Newman. Um, history shows us more and more when you get figures like Nero, and then you get Robespierre, you get um, Julian the Apostate. We could probably add Hitler. Political figures, by mm-hmm. the way. They're yeah. not really religious. They're political primarily. And th- as history rolls on, we get more and more of a picture of how bad this dude's going to be. Yeah. any rate, he has a guardian. The, the sinners have guardians, non-Catholics, every human being, because God loves us. 
we've each got assigned a guardian angel get us to heaven. Interesting. Wow. Um, one other thing that I have read, and you can weigh in on this, uh, Dr. Malloy, and anybody can, is that sometimes people treat their guardian angels like they're pets. Yeah. You know, they, they name them and, oh, you know, I want to do this, and can you do this? They're, they're not our pets, right? No. They're actually a lot brighter yeah, does, than us. That doesn't yeah. seem like a good idea. Yeah. No. Yeah. So we don't, shouldn't name our guardian oh. angels. I don't know said. who it was, but some priest said, you know, you yeah. really should not. Yeah. It's, it's a bad thing yeah. to do but but any rate yeah no we need their help we should beseech them for help yeah you know if please pray now the other thing about this is we tend to think that god's grace is like a a spigot like it's always on well some of it depends on whether we ask for help right same thing with the angel wow if we if we sucker the angel with our affection he's more likely to uh respond yeah, I mean, it's not like a constant radi- radiator. I call it the space heater God, you know, <laughs> or the space heater angel. Like, it's always there. You don't need to do anything. No, they, I mean, they interact. Yeah. So it's not like they're going to talk to you yeah. unless you're special. But. Yeah. And also, the other misconception is uh, when someone dearer to you dies, they do not become an angel in heaven. <laughs> oh, uh, my it, gosh. It, it does say yeah. in Matthew. New agey. In Matthew twenty two thirty, at the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. I think like. that would be more like the intellect, right? Where our intellect is more enlightened. Uh, and also, something interesting about angels is they're each their own species. Yeah, yeah so we, we all share a species, right? But hey, every we, single angel is its own species. We have to describe what that, how that works. Yeah. The difference between a blue whale and a snail is a big difference. Yeah. Like, you know, we're not talking about blue and humpback. Blue and snail, like big species yeah. difference. That's how different one angel is from another. Every single one. Single wow. one. Wow. Yeah. And there are... And how many are there? That's the thing. You know Aquinas' opinion? I, it's, it, there's no... Not, you know, we don't have any knowledge about it. Right. Aquinas' opinion is human beings obviously have to be the fewest in the universe. There are more carbon atoms, obviously, than there are living things, etc. So, pyramid. We're the most complex. There's the fewest of us, relatively speaking. Right. Um, but the angels, it goes the inverse pyramid, so that there are more seraphim than there are cherubim, more cherubim than thrones, etc., wow. all the way down to the angels. The guardian angels are the lowest. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's the complete opposite of how we're viewed in that pyramid. Yes. And the reason he says that is that God's generosity, it, it, it's, it's definitional that in the laws of physics, we have to have more carbon than humans. But... It's it, God's generosity dominates in the spiritual, so He's more generous with those who worship wow. Him in charity. The seraphim. Yeah, there's also a great story. I don't know if you are familiar with this. When Mother Angelica was trying to find a location to put her, uh, basically the 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 radio signal, the uh, what's the, the the towers, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. and she goes to this one site right outside of Birmingham. And it was, from a engineering standpoint, not what anybody would say <clears> should be the place because it was either too high or too low. So she's there with some of her angels, and she looks up, and this is this is told in, in uh, Raymond Arroyo's book, and she sees Saint Michael, the archangel, and she says yeah. she says at that moment, she says, "We're putting it here." And the engineer says, "Mother Angelica, I think you're you're mistaken. This is not a, a good place to put our radio uh, towers." And she said, "No, no, it's going to be right here." Holy uh, cow! Because uh, and, and uh, you know, and their angels can assume bodies, so they can be seen. They yeah. don't naturally have bodies, but uh, there have been people that have seen. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stories like this of people that have seen uh, angels 
taking on human bodies. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's a, I, I may, I hope I, I got the main points that's of that. Some of the small awesome. details may have been off, but that's, so we can, we can credit the, uh, an archangel for the very fact that we're doing radio broadcast exactly. that is this morning. Awesome. Uh, well, yeah, people, people will say that like they'll, they'll be in a car crash and then someone helped them, but there's no trace of that person. Yeah. Um, you know, or the car, the, the way the car lands. So these angels are ready to steer the event just a little bit so that it, it is in God's um, care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, we have got to take a break. As I mentioned, we're going to talk about, you know, last week we were speculating because the next day President Trump was going to make his announcement about the Supreme Court. And oh, that's uh, right. we were talking yeah. about, is it going to be Amy Coney Barrett or uh, Barbara Lagoa down in uh, Florida? Well, of course, we know that last Saturday he selected Amy Coney Barrett and there's already been some uh, criticism of her and a lot of praise that's been uh, uh, dished out as well. And Maureen Ferguson, a senior fellow for the Catholic Association. And we're going to take a one-minute break and get her on the phone and talk about this. And we also invite your calls, 877-757-9424. This is GRN Alive Friday edition. Thanks for joining us. What is the new evangelization? It is the invitation for each Catholic to renew their relationship with Jesus Christ and His Church. The major focus of the new evangelization calls for all Catholics to be evangelized and then to go forth to evangelize others. This is Len Oswald, President of the Guadalupe Radio Network, and I wanted to assure you that the GRN is totally dedicated and committed to sharing the gospel message far and wide in order to bring as many souls as possible closer to Jesus Christ through his church. When someone tunes into the GRN, the Holy Spirit works in those private interactions and their hearts are open to that divine touch. God's plan is that our listeners are transformed, then the world will be transformed. This is why the new evangelization is so important. We know from our listeners' feedback that lives are being changed forever. This has been your GRN Family Minute. We are your Catholic radio, radio for your soul. All right, we are back, and this is Jaron Live Friday morning. It's uh, it's been a fun conversation. We always uh, appreciate you joining in on the conversation. Don't feel I mean we've got a lot of people in the studio, but there's always room for one more voice, right? <laughs> and Cecil could take your call eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. And we're getting Maureen Ferguson from the Catholic Association on the line with us. But uh, Alex, you're talking. I saw this news. Uh, Carlos Acutis. What is this? The story yeah, about him? He's the venerable uh, Carlos Acutis. He was he died from leukemia when he was sixteen, and the year 2006 and uh, he's being beatified next week in Assisi where he's from and they basically uncovered his body and he's incorrupt after 14 years oh wow yeah they had to do some some work on his face but he's literally dressed like a teenager today it's incredible he's wearing Nike shoes jeans like a hoodie a zip up hoodie um, I thought I saw an image of that. It okay, is that's awesome. Cool. Yeah, yes. and so you can go venerate him for two weeks now, like a week before the the beatification and the week after. Tell us about him, so, about his life. Yeah, so he was a he uh, was a computer programming genius. Apparently, he hosted a website that would uh, document Eucharistic miracles from around the world in order to push that devotion all around the world, you know, before Facebook and all that stuff. So he built a website to push this and uh, loved the Catholic Church, loved the Eucharist, loved the Virgin Mary, and made his own mother 
uh, become more serious about her Catholic faith before he passed away. All right. It's an incredible uh, story. All right. Uh, very good. Thanks for that report. I yeah. saw the, the story and I just skimmed it and I thought, oh, maybe we'll talk about that. And yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad you came You came with the goods. Oh, uh, it's the one that I sort of uh, read the most. It wasn't even in, in, in your email. I apologize. But <laughs> well, that's all right. That's all right. We can always call audibles yeah. on this program. All right. Maureen Ferguson joining us, uh, senior fellow for the Catholic Association. They're located online at thecatholicassociation.org. And uh, she is... Uh, I think it would explain how she's happy with uh, the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett uh, to Supreme Court. There's a big fight ahead, but she joins us to talk about that. Maureen, good morning. Thank you for being with us today. Good morning. As you say, I'm delighted to be with you to talk about the very exciting nomination of Judge Amy Coney Barrett. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, you you put a statement on, on the website. I'll just read part of it. Uh, it. says, this is from you. Judge Barrett is a brilliant and esteemed constitutional scholar who is admired as much for her magnanimous heart as for her intelligence. In the hearings, Americans will get to know an extraordinary woman, a principled and independent judge, a loving mother. She seems to kind of have the full package. I mean, mother of seven, two adopted. She's got a Down syndrome baby. I mean, uh, she seems like a, 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 a splendid, splendid person, not to mention a what I'm sure a great judge. That's right. Um, I couldn't be more excited about the nomination of Judge Barrett to the Supreme Court. She clearly has reached the top of the legal profession. She's universally admired as a scholar of the law. She's taught law at uh, the University of Notre Dame for 20 years now. Um, she was a clerk as a younger woman for Justice Scalia. So this is just an amazing opportunity to kind of uh, solidify the Scalia legacy on the court. She said, nothing will sharpen your legal skills more than having to prepare Justice Scalia for <laughs> oral arguments and having to go toe-to-toe with him. So, um, so she's very much sort of in the legal tradition of originalism and textualism and um, Justice Scalia's philosophy of the law. So that's fantastic. But, you know, equally important, I feel like in this cultural moment is just the type of person that she is. She's a person who is clearly grounded in her faith. It is her faith and putting her talents to good use. Um, that has clearly brought her to these heights. And she, all the while, she hasn't um, sacrificed what she says is her most important job uh, of raising her children. And just her incredible generosity in her family life, in welcoming uh, two children from Haiti into her family uh, as part of this precious Barrett clan. Hmm. Um and uh, and then, of course, her youngest is a little boy, an adorable little boy who has Down syndrome, um, who she says is everybody's favorite sibling. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so she's really like a paragon. It's unbelievable that she has had such generosity and dedication to her family. Um, but clearly, God has given her special talents and brilliance in the law, and she has put that to good use. 
Let me ask you about, uh, obviously, you're, you love her. I think everybody here on this side uh, of the, also is in favor of her. I think she seems like an amazing woman, but not everybody is excited about her. In fact, um, Archbishop Charles Chaput has, uh, former Archbishop of Philadelphia and Denver, warned of a what he calls a virus of anti-Catholic bigotry, and he warned that public attacks on her faith will constitute a wider threat to religious liberty and he said this is, quote, a harbinger of future attacks on the church itself and on any Catholic who holds the enduring moral witness, end quote. So speak about that. Uh, she, I mean, the attacks are just beginning. They've hacked a website. They're criticizing this uh, People of Praise group that she was uh, allegedly involved in. Uh, what do you make of what the other side is saying about her? Well, you're exactly right. And the attacks on Judge Barrett's faith began several years ago, actually, when she was uh, a Notre Dame law professor and was then uh, nominated to go on the Seventh Circuit uh, to become a judge in Chicago. So she had to receive Senate confirmation then. And clearly her resume, um, you know, it's obvious that she's a devout Catholic when you look at her resume and the speeches she's given. And so... So a few years ago, when she was before the Senate Judiciary Committee, several of the senators, including Senator Dick Durbin, Senator Dianne Feinstein, they uh, they questioned her in a manner that is completely inappropriate and inconsistent with the Constitution, because our Constitution, of course, specifically says there shall be no religious test for office. But they grilled her on her faith, asking her questions like, do you consider yourself an Orthodox Catholic? And and at that moment, she I think she became an instant hero kind of in the heartland because she didn't back down one bit. She had this sort of steely um, but beautiful response. And she just said, you know, if, if you're asking me if I take my faith seriously, yes, I do. But I'm also a lawyer. And I'm, you know, a professional and I know how to do that. The role of a judge is to be impartial and make decisions based on the law and the Constitution. And the role of a judge is not to engage in public policy. So she made this very clear distinction between the role of a judge and um, and her personal faith, which obviously is very important to her and obviously grounds her in a way that, you know, makes her such a beautiful and wonderful person. So so these attacks on her faith uh, started several years ago. They've stepped up, um, particularly sort of in the Twitter universe and the late night comedians, really just making vile and vulgar jokes that aren't even funny at all. Maureen, um, what, what? But, but she has come under great attack for her faith, and we're probably going to see more of that. It, it may be more subtle, because I think the Democrats on the committee realize there could be a backlash. Yeah, so what so do you think... What do you think the questions are going to be this round, and how will they be distinctive from last round? Well, last round, it was pretty naked anti-Catholicism. I think this time around, they're treading a little bit more carefully. They're really casting about to kind of figure out how to attack her. And as you mentioned earlier, um, they're attacking this group that she... um, 
uh, may be affiliated with called the People of Praise, which is an ecumenical, uh, Christian, charismatic, it, it's mostly Catholic, but it's ecumenical, um, uh, group that Pope Francis has praised. You know, P- Pope Francis has praised the sort of charismatic mu- movement within the church. And this group, the People of Praise, um, you know, they're known for getting together for Bible study and community involvement, serving the poor of the community. I mean, th- there's a wonderful piece in today's Wall Street Journal uh, that describes just who the people of praise is as a group and and what their members do and what they're committed to. So um, so I think that's that's. Um, an important piece for your listeners to look up, but but also the left has tried to attack the use. The this group used to use the term "handmade." Now, to the left, I, I feel like people who are not uh, educated in the faith, who are really quite ignorant, they've tried to use this term "handmade" in the most absurd way. Really connecting that term to this dystopian novel written by Margaret Atwood called The Handmaid's Tale. So they're Mm -hmm. trying to say, oh, if we confirm Amy Barrett, we'll be living in a theocracy like in The Handmaid's Tale. You know, it's absurd. It's completely absurd. There's no connection. And anyone who is at all biblically literate knows that the term handmaid is a reference to Mary, the mother of Jesus, from the Gospel of Luke. That's when nice... When the angel Gabriel appears to her and she says, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. I mean, Catholic school children across America and many others pause at noon to pray the Angelus, in which we quote from the Gospel yeah. of Luke. So Maureen, this Ma- is not... I'm, I'm sorry, Maureen. I'm just... I'm just yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so this is not a foreign language to us, but... To people who are kind of ignorant about the faith, it, the language of faith can appear very foreign to them, and they're jumping to all kinds of crazy conclusions and, you know, making all kinds of sort of ridiculous and unfounded criticisms. Yeah, there's uh, a lot that's going to come out of this, and I, I think ultimately our faith is going to shine brightly And uh, in, in, in Amy Coney Barrett. Maureen, we only have a few more minutes. I want to ask you about the timing, because the Senate Judiciary Committee is going to begin hearings uh, October 12th. Uh, and there's expected to be a vote on the nomination October 22nd. The Democrats are already saying they're, they're, they're using delay tactics. So do you think, especially in light, I don't know if Trump's, uh, the news today with COVID will impact this at all, uh, or maybe it may be irrelevant, uh, but do you think it's possible that the Senate can have a vote before the election? I think it's definitely possible. I think Senator Mitch McConnell, who's the Republican leader in the Senate, I think he is a brilliant man and an incredible tactician, and I think he's determined to get a vote on this nomination. Now, uh, on the other hand, the Democrats will stop at nothing to stop this if they can. Um, they, you know, sound like chicken little that the fall, the sky is falling on abortion rights and, you know, they're going to pull out anything that they can. Of course, I'll just remind your listeners that even if the Supreme Court were to overturn Roe versus Wade, that simply means that abortion law goes back to the states and every state can make an individual decision using the democratic process, which is how it ought to be. Um, to decide on abortion policy within the state. So states like New York 
um, would have very, very liberal abortion laws. So, so the left tries to equate the overturning of Roe v. Wade with abortion being illegal. But if, and that's a big if because of Supreme Court precedent and how complicated it is to unravel. Maureen, but, um, we, we have one minute left. I have a quick question. How do you think this is going to impact the election? How do you think the hearing process will affect, say, the vote? Well, hopefully um, people who um, want to see a justice like Amy Coney Barrett, who will, um, you know, not see her role as a judge being a policymaker, but rather interpreting the law. Um, hopefully that will motivate people to vote. I think Democrats are almost, they kind of don't know what to do with her because she's so obviously a brilliant judge. She's so obviously qualified and she's so obviously such a good person that they kind of don't know how to handle it. And many of the Democrats are simply refusing to meet with her, which I think is quite disrespectful. But, um, but, but so I don't know how this will impact the elections and it, it may not impact it a lot if the Democrats sort of stand down and back off. But, but it's just, it, there, there's so much in the mix in this election. I think nobody can really make a prediction. <laughs> yeah. Maureen, thanks so much. Uh, really appreciate your work and all the others at the Catholic Association. I invite all of our listeners to go to their website, thecatholicassociation.org. Maureen Ferguson is Senior Fellow for the Catholic Association. We hope to talk to you again very soon. Thank you, Maureen. Happy to talk anytime. Thanks. God right. bless. Appreciate it very much. Uh, good good to speak with her. And uh, we're going to go to a break and talk about uh, life chain here in just a second. Boy, this show is just flying by, isn't it? The time. We need more time. Uh, but I will say, thank uh, uh, Cardinal Dolan, uh, who said that uh, Judge Amy Coney Barrett is the, quote, best candidate for the Supreme Court vacancy and said she, like her potential successor, faces biases due to her sex, family, and faith. So that from Cardinal Dolan. All right, one minute break and back with Sharon Albertson to talk about life chain. If you've not done this, it's coming up this Sunday. I've done it a few times. It's a great way to have public witness to the fact that we believe in the dignity of every single human life, whether they're in the womb or outside the womb. So we'll be back after this. Solidarity HealthShare is rebuilding Catholic healthcare in America. We conform to the moral guidelines of the Catholic Church so that you never have to worry about your healthcare dollars paying for anything that violates your conscience. From conception to natural death, we strive to serve all healthcare needs, protect human life, celebrate families, and promote the dignity of all people. Join Solidarity HealthShare in restoring and rebuilding authentic Catholic healthcare by signing up at SolidarityHealthShare.org, a sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Pray. The story of Patrick Payton is coming to theaters nationwide on October 9th. The film tells the inspiring true story of a poor Irish immigrant who set sail for America in 1928 with dreams of becoming a millionaire. But with the help of the most iconic celebrities of Hollywood, ends up spending his life championing the message, the family that prays together stays together. The miraculous true story of venerable Patrick Payton, his heroic life of perseverance and prayer, is coming to theaters nationwide on October 9th. For more information, praythefilm.com. All right, we are back, and this is GRN Live. Can you believe 22 minutes is all we have left in the show? Great to have you with us. Uh, feel free to call in, and I, I know this—you know—it's—it's it's, it's hard to get a word in edgewise, but uh, you know we want to hear from you. 
877-757-9424. What are you pointing at? The number. <laughs> <laughs> I got it memorized. Come on. I don't so do the listeners. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I got to, got to tell them the number. I, yes. I want to get them to call, right? Yeah, that's right. All right. Uh, so Life Chain has been going on for quite some time, and uh, since 1987, in fact, uh, for 33 years, life chains have formed across the United States and Canada and the world to make a public, prayerful, peaceful witness against legalized abortion, standing united in prayer and repentance on the first Sunday of every October, which just happens to be this Sunday. Sharon Albertson is a life chain coordinator, and uh, she joins us for a few minutes here to encourage everybody to get out there this weekend and show support for life. Sharon, good morning. How are you? Good morning. You know, while we're on the phone, the other phone is probably going to be ringing. So we'll, don't we'll take hope it. To get... <laughs> yes, I I'll, I'll keep talking to you. That'd be great. Yeah, we'll try to make it interesting enough for you that you don't go run off to another phone call. Okay. So, anyways, yeah, just tell them to call you back. Don't call in the next five minutes or so. But, anyways, uh-huh. uh, sure. Tell tell our listeners. I, I know you know we're broadcasting across many states. Uh, you know, twenty one million potential listeners. They're not all listening this morning, but we. But a lot of people. Uh, and there, there's going to be a life chain, regardless of where you are, somewhere close by, right? Tell us about it. Right. Right. Last year, life chains took place in 1,600 cities and towns across the United States and Canada. Many of those have multiple locations, so that 2,000 locations were listed on the website. This year, there's a brand new, wonderful website bringing us into the 21st century with lots of pictures and so forth. So it's been a little challenge for all of those coordinators to jump on to the new website. But uh, if people don't find one in their location, they can call the number that's on the website. And uh, our new, wonderful national director will direct them (laughs) to the right spot. Or even they could call me because I've got last year's list. And almost all of those are going to do a life chain again. There are a few places where the pastor or the bishop or Monsignor or some one is saying, oh, insurance-wise, we just can't do it this year. But most of the places, the people are saying, it's outside. It's outside. We want to be outside doing something positive. And we're already socially distanced. Yeah. We stand 20 steps apart and uh, hold a professionally printed sign that's provided at the site. Um, about five years ago, the former national director opened it up to beautiful baby pictures. There are never aborted baby pictures at a life chain. There's a place and time for those, but this is a family event. So um, the signs are adoption, the loving option, Jesus forgives and heals, abortion kills children, Lord forgive us and our nation, abortion hurts women, life the first inalienable right, Aborto, El Aborto Mata Ninos, pray to end abortion, El Aborto. Borto Lastima Las Mujeres. You can tell I'm not. <laughs> I think you're doing Pre- great. Pregnant uh, need help. One eight hundred seven one two H E L P. So we're out there for a positive influence on the people going by, and every year we hear of people. I was just talking to a coordinator in another state last week who said he thought the man was going to come right to where he was standing. Instead, the man came as close as he could, rolled down the window, and said, See that little girl in the back seat? Thank you for being here. She's here because you all were wow. here yeah. a couple of years ago, and wow. my wife decided not to abort. 
That's what it's about. Yeah. But I remember doing it one time, and I had my daughters with me, and they were counting how many people would come by and honk and do the thumbs up. Uh, every now and then you get the opposite uh, <laughs> response. But uh, it was like, you know, at least, you know, here in Texas, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're a very pro-life state. And it was very, very overwhelmingly positive. And, you know, it's even on social media, most of us have friends who agree with us. And you don't typically see the other side. But when you're out publicly, there may be somebody who may not agree with you, but that prayerful, peaceful witness. And I know, Sharon, you would you would agree you know you're not you know, screaming and yelling or you know trying to get attention uh, just seeing the the peaceful the families the the the, the joy even you know the the, the, right. the that, I mean that that's the witness isn't it it's it's not right. a it's there not are, a, a protest it's 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 prayer right there are songs and prayers on the back of the signs to be praying during that time it's really a meaningful time for others as well uh, let me tell you a story about a ninth grade boy who was nervous about being out there and um, finally got up the courage to go the next week in English class. The teacher asked them to write a paragraph about what they had done over the weekend. And, okay, so I write, shall I write about the life chain? He got up the courage again. And the teacher showed his paper then to some of the other teachers and called his mom. His mom thought he was in trouble. And the teacher said, no, some of the other teachers and I have had abortions. And we need to know who we can talk to, who mm. to recommend. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> so awesome. The ripples wow. go out. We, we've had a number of stories where <clears throat> excuse me, high school kids have gone back to school and have encouraged their friends not to have an abortion. So, And then also 40 Days for Life was started by Life Jane coordinators. Oh, really? And that's going on that's right fantastic. now also. Yeah. yeah. That's happening also. And also, yeah, I think so, it's significant, uh, Ray, as we approach uh, an election with a pretty clear, and I know you're not political, and I'm not going to go there specifically, but uh, it is, you know, obviously an issue, and people need to be aware that this is an issue that uh, is important uh, as, right. as, we, as we head to the, the voting booth as well. In some locations where they're having life uh, amendments or something like that on the ballot, they are having vote pro-life. Uh, life chain is not meant to be political in a way of of taking sides one way or the other um, for candidates, but for sure issues are important. So this is a good time for in those states for them to remind people to vote pro-life. Yeah. All right. So just have a minute with you, Sharon. If people are like, all right, I want to do this. I want to find my location. What should they do? Uh, where do they find the closest life chain this weekend? And also, it's going to be Sunday afternoon in most cases, right? Or in all cases? Um, most cases this after this Sunday afternoon. However, the alternate date this year is November 1st. So there's plenty of time still for people to put together a life chain. Okay. And uh, the new wonderful website is lifechain.org, and there's a way to sign up on there. Then if they're in Texas, lifechain.net has the list of the life chains across Texas on it still. That's cool. So and that would be the one that I'm especially working with. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Sharon, thank you so much. You can go answer those other calls now, okay? Okay. <laughs> thank you. All right, good Thanks to talk with calling. you. Yeah, thank okay. you so much. Again, lifechain.org.
org, org. I think is the general one. And then if org you're in Texas, yeah. uh, lifechain.net. All right, Sharon, All right. thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right. And All right. Let's talk again. Yeah, we certainly will. God bless you. God bless. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's great. You know, uh, I just think that it's good to bring the kids out. Yeah. Mm, and, definitely. Uh, of course, you got to, you know, make sure they're safe. And, uh, and that all the times that I've done it, I've probably done it at least, you know, six, seven, eight times. Um, you, you know, you might have a couple people that don't like what you're doing, but it's always been very safe and it's, a, it's, it's just awesome. Most people are very happy that you're there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the kids, that's, they need to experience that cultural, yeah, uh, fight for truth and good. Mm-hmm. They really do. Yeah. I think otherwise they grow up like relativists. And just in case anybody's saying, oh, that's when my NFL football team is playing Sunday. <laughs> All the more reason <laughs> that's right. <laughs> to go out to life change. Priorities. Yeah, priorities, priorities. Okay, Diane, you didn't hear that. Diane's a big sports fan. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, one more topic uh, to talk about during the program. This is uh, GRN Live. We've got the whole crew here. Phone number 877-757-9424. And uh, we are joined now for the remainder of the program with Jim Kavnar, who is president of Cross Catholic Outreach. Uh, they're located at crosscatholic.org. And they have a program called Box of Joy, an annual Christmas gift ministry organized by local Catholic schools, parishes, and groups across the U.S., facilitated by Cross Catholic Outreach, packing boxes of joy with toys and other gifts. Participants bless children suffering from extreme poverty by sharing the joy of Christmas and planting seeds of hope. Jim, good morning. How are you doing? Oh, good morning, Dave. Great to be with you again. Yeah, you know, my, my family, we've done this uh, a time or two and uh, really got a lot out of it. Uh, tell us about the program. We don't have a lot of time. Uh, I, people are thinking, Christmas? Come on, this is early October, but yeah. we, we gotta, gotta, you, you can't start this in mid-December. You've got to get planning with it, right? Yeah, well, we're hoping to bless 100,000 very, very poor kids this year with Christmas gifts. So you've got to get started early because we need parishes and schools and groups and parishes to organize to pack boxes of joy. And if they go to boxofjoy.org, they can sign up. We'll send them the boxes. We'll send them all the materials that they need. So if we can get the ball rolling now, you know, we can have those $100,000 gifts, not $100,000 gifts, but $100,000 gifts. Now, last year, we, uh, we shipped out 76,000 boxes of joy. It went to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven countries, uh, Haiti, Guatemala, Nicaragua, Grenada, El Salvador, Dominican Republic, and last year it went to the Bahamas because there were hundreds of kids in shelters uh, because of a big hurricane that hit there last year. So at this time, they were in shelters and had nothing. So we, we arranged to get some of the boxes of joy there. So anybody, you know, parishes, groups and parishes, you know, it could be... Uh, the Men's Club, the Knights of Columbus, uh, you know, Honor Society in the school, whatever. If uh, they go to boxofjoy.org and sign up, they can participate. And we'll give them all they need and all the suggestions of how they can pack these boxes, you know, in the family. And uh, we'll tell them where to drop them off. We'll, our trucks will pick them up. And uh, we'll see that they make it to the kids overseas. So there's so, so you're, there's a real participation where you, it's not just sending a check in. You're mm-hmm. real actively, yeah. you know, shopping, wrapping, that kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. We we encourage people take a look at the list that we send because it's not only kind of fun things, you know, 
a hard candy, not chocolate, because it'll melt. It'll melt before it leaves Texas. Might, <laughs> yeah, they, they might be sitting in a container for a week on the dock, you know, yeah. in the bright sun. So no, no chocolate, you have a puddle at the bottom of your box. You know, but ju- uh, hard candy and school supplies, you know, sometimes socks and, yeah. and shirts and soccer balls, you name it. You know, Jim, the, I enjoyed this so much last year because I, I have two daughters. Uh, last year, they would have been 15 and 11. And so, as you know, and maybe some of the listeners don't know, you, you get to choose the, the gender and the approximate age of who you're going to buy for. So I purposely, we chose kids about their age, you know, girls about their age. But it was so cool because we went to the store and I said, okay, get all the things you would like mm. and put them in the box. They each got a box. And I said, but none of it's going to be for you. It's going to be for something, somebody else. And so they got to go no. shopping for all the things that they would like, but they don't get to keep it. And I think there's a good lesson there. That's you know? great. And so it, it's a great yeah. family activity. I highly recommend it. I'm definitely going to do it again this year. So, Jim, th- this complements yeah. the angel trees at parishes, right? So th- we don't need to see a competition. Angel trees, the parishes do it probably with the local community. But Box of Joy, this That's is primarily right. international, right? Oh, it's entirely international. And... When we say we're, you know, we serve the poorest of the poor, I can tell you that without Box of Joy, these are kids who never before got a Christmas gift. Wow. Uh, I remember the very first year we did this, we were just a, just a test, and 2,500 boxes went to Guatemala, and I went down to help pass them out, and I talked to the parents and the teachers, you know, who organized the distribution, and I asked them, I said, do these kids here uh, ever get a Christmas gift? And without a, a exception, they said, oh, no, never. And mm-hmm. uh, I said, well, how do they celebrate Christmas? And one grandmother told me, says, well, you know, when we can afford it, we have tamales for Christmas. Mm. And uh, I thought, well, how did last year go? No, we couldn't afford it. So that's the level of poverty we're talking about, kids who never see a Christmas gift. And so, of course, they're thrilled, and it's... Uh, it's exciting to see what they like the most. Mm. Uh, once I was in Haiti helping distribute boxes, and we are in this Catholic school, and I think we were the first graders or second graders. And uh, so I asked a little boy, you know, what do you like best? Now, through a translator, of course. And he fished around in the box and held up a toothbrush. Mm. Wow. And uh, I thought, well, that tells you something, doesn't yeah, it? No that the doubt. thing he liked the best wasn't the toys, the candy, the coloring book, the crayons. It was the toothbrush. And I'll give you another hint. The the girls, especially, you know, the girls in the, in the uh, 10 to 14 age group, <clears throat> their favorite thing was scented soap. So if mm. you're packing wow. a box for a girl in that age group, get them some soap that's scented. They love that because that's something they'd never get, you know, mm. so... And, and school things. I mean, I've, I've been to schools in, in uh, Central America where the kids share pencils. I mean, they can't even afford to buy a pencil. And uh, so, you know, pencils, ballpoint pens, coloring, you know, school supplies, erasers, all those kind of things they love because it's hard for them to get it. Yeah. They're really, really poor. So I agree. It, it complements Angel Tree, which reaches out to the poor around us, which as Catholics we do. But this gives us a way to reach out to the poor in a very tangible way. Yeah. 
you know, in the in the in the church, which is our church, is global. Yeah. So that here's a way to do something tangible that touches children globally. Yeah. That's so cool, Jim. Down, down to our last couple minutes. Boxofjoy.org is the website. Jim Kavnar, president of Cross Catholic Outreach, they're the ones that are organizing this. Just from a nuts and bolts standpoint, Jim, what what uh, people want to do it either individually or get a group together, like you said. Just got two minutes. Uh, well, what sh- what's what should people do? Well, if they go to boxofjoy.org, they'll see a. a, a a menu across the top, and it says sign up. And then that's where a group could sign up, and it can be, you know, a uh, parish as a whole. It could be a school or it could be a group within the parish, you know, that wants to do this. Like in my own parish, there was a woman who really got excited about it and organized a group of her friends. And they're the ones that every year get the boxes and get them filled and all of that. So they can sign up, and we'll send everything that they need to them. Or, you know, people who uh, can't do that, we have what we call create a box online. And you can go online and select, you know, what kind of a box you want and for what age group, and we'll pack it for you, and you can send a donation. We ask everybody for a donation of $9 a box to pay for the shipping, and part of that will go to the local parish or Catholic school or whatever it is overseas that distributed it it'll go to them as a grant to support their ongoing programs. And so we ask for that and a contribution for the uh, toys and other things that go in the box. So there's a way you could do it, even if you can't participate locally and pack it yourself. All right, Jim. Hey, thanks for your time this morning. Boxofjoy.org. I'm going to do it, and I hope many other people listening will as well. It's a great way to bless uh, kids. They're only Christmas present, one Christmas present, and bring joy to them. Jim, great talking with you this morning. Thank you for your time. Thanks a lot, Dave. God bless you and all your listeners. Thank you so much. God bless. Good talking to him. All right, we got about a minute. We're going to have an after show, and uh, Dr. Molloy's still here. Wow, this is uh, such a, a pleasant surprise. <laughs> it's normally, awesome. It's called Dead Day or Reading Day. Dead Day? Yeah. Oh, really? So reading Day be... sounds a little bit more positive. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely Dead Day for <laughs> I me. I would say. It was yeah. never a reading day. Just sleep like, in. It was an extra day to sleep in. Exactly. Midterms. Yeah. Midterms, yeah. Midterms yeah. next week. Yeah. Of course, it was funny. I told my students, we got a midterm on Monday, and, and, and they said, what? You want to take it a week after Dead Day? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you right. think they actually no. take the state, or they yeah. just no, no, no. They, they you, well, if you sleep in, at least you're recovering from lack of sleep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, that's no, I right. do think very it, it's very important. Yeah. <laughs> All right, it's Dead Day. Really, <laughs> early midterms day. though. I always appreciated like Monday or Tuesday midterms, not Absolutely. like the next yeah. Friday. Yeah. yeah. Mm. All right, we're gonna have an after show. Sissel comes on the other side of the glass Ooh. and joins us. And Diane has done a great job on our social media platform. So once the music uh, stops and we go to break, that's the end of the radio portion of the show. We uh, we thank you very much for joining us. And don't forget uh, Monday, same time. Uh, Joe and the crew are going to have uh, GRN Alive Monday. I don't think Joe's going to mind me saying this. Uh, do you know who his guest on Monday is going to be? He just posted about it, so oh, you're, you're, you're yeah, good I to did. say it. You're good to say it. Uh, Father, is it James Altman? Yes. Father, Father James wow. Altman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's been he's been tracking that. Yeah. Oh, cool. Right, right. So tune in. All right. Monday, same time, Joe and the crew, Father James Altman, courageous uh, priest. And so anyways, stick around for the after show on the social media platforms. Uh, Facebook and Twitter, and have a great, great weekend. And don't forget about your guardian angel. Ask for his intercession. God bless you. Thank you for listening to GRN Alive. 
from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. For more faith, fun and facts, join our email list. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. And may your Friday be filled with the joy of the Lord. Blessed be God, blessed be His holy name, blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man, blessed be the name of Jesus, blessed be His most sacred heart, blessed be His most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary most holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth.